0: George Isaac, author of Your Business, Your Family, Your Legacy. And are we, wait, is it, sorry, messed up the screen. We spoke, we spoke before, not officially on a podcast, but we spoke about wealth management. And that's something that, as, as I was just telling you, it's over my head in the same sense that as a biology major, playing a guitar is over my head. Learning how to throw a baseball is over my head. But... I think that it will be beneficial to do episodes like this because as I was just telling you, my friend Roger Williams, an author, but he's also a computer engineer and he comes on every week and just kind of explains something new to me in the field of like engineering or coding or, and I am just learning it slowly and I don't want to speak for everyone, but I think I can speak for a lot of people, probably my age group, 30, maybe a little younger, a little older, who wealth management kind kind of terrifies me because I don't understand it and I know I should, but... You being who you are, I think it would be very advantageous and beneficial to just do you know, like a series of just 30 minute episodes where you are the guru and I'm just you're Michael Jordan. And I'm like, all right, how do I dribble? And it's like, we'll get to the game winning jump shot later. Like, let's learn how to dribble. But before I keep rambling on, because I already have been, how about you introduce yourself, sir? Let me
1: introduce myself. Sir. Yes, sir.
0: Yes, sir. Oh, sure. OK. I didn't. Um.
1: Uh, <laughs> Well, you already said, I'm George Isaac. I live in Santa Santa Barbara. Um, I spent a long career in multiple, multiple areas. I started off as a professional management consultant at Deloitte Consulting, uh, worked my way up to partner. Then I joined our family business. It was a generation, I was a Gen 3 CEO. Uh, then I joined a public company where we consolidated our industry and created a billion dollar uh, operating entity. Then thereafter, I was pretty much um, doing private equity and investing in our funds. And family business consulting. So I, I grew up in a family business. So I, that was kind of my roots, mm-hmm. kind of program to go into the family business. I chose not to when I got out of college and graduate school, because I felt I needed other experiences before I joined our family business. So that's that's kind of you know in a real quick nutshell. Yeah. What I've been up to, I've served on a bunch of boards and and you know spent a lifetime of uh, in business, which I was thoroughly enjoyed and, and considered a you know a treat to be able to have a career. Um, in, in business in yeah. a variety
0: of areas. yeah yeah that, that's what you said at the beginning of your book which will be in the description and in the top comment is is yeah you your your dad asked you if you wanted to take it and you like respectfully declined and you're like I'm gonna go do kind of you know in, in lesser words I'm gonna go do my own thing first and that you you talked about there are like death spirals, right it was something like 85% of family businesses are destined to go down that route after what second gen or third gen and do you think that that would be again, from like I just said in the introduction, my completely uneducated mind in this, I know cellular biology, not this, but does it seem- it kind of seems like that might actually be the way to go right because if 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 you just come into it right if i if if Joe Rogan was my dad and he just handed me his podcast, like I don't think I would learn how to do it. It would just be like I have the biggest podcast in the world, but because it's like I'm above my parents' garage with my flag like and I'm learning how to do it as I go. Send out emails, find people, learn what to say, what not to say, and then in time I learn it from the ground up. Do you think that is the move to, as you said, I mean, a successful billion-dollar business? Do you think that's the move is to not take the reins, kind of just as the next in line, but rather to go out, go out and learn it on your own?
1: Well, I think think there's a couple issues that you're you're getting into. Um, the one that I, 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 on a personal level, is is developing your experience and self-confidence. And when you join a family business, and we grew ours significantly over a short period of time, so I should feel really good about that. Yeah. But yet, you know, it's my family's business, my yeah. name's on the door. Yeah. And so basically inherited this business. And so you, working elsewhere and learning some skills, making some mistakes by where you learn, and getting promoted, um, gives your sense of self self-worth and self-confidence so when you get in the family business you're able to kind of push through some of the issues that either business issues or often family issues yeah and realize that you know you know what you're doing and you feel good about it and it helps it helps you um in my particular case spending 11 years as a professional management consultant in and out of numerous industries and numerous functional areas mm-hmm. uh, you know i value that uh, more than my mba i mean yeah. it's just a, it was a short lifetime of a decade of just basically I'm a job training. So when I joined that our family business, or for that matter, any, any business, I had a wealth of experience that I could transport from what I learned over the prior 11 years to bring into our our business, which is what, what we did. And, And so it was very, very helpful. Um, and I encourage most families, you know, that it's great, and it's probably, you know, there's some sense. I mean, I hired a CEO. There's probably some sense to work your way up through the organization. Yeah, our situation that wasn't uh, that wasn't possible because we had a uh, relatively authoritarian CEO, my father. <laughs> and he, let, you know, he called the shots. He was a bright guy. He did a great job, but um, you know, he didn't develop people underneath him. So there was no one there. Yeah, to really take up the reins and that's partially why I ended up coming in is because you know because of that
0: situation yeah yeah it's it's kind of yeah, like a Steve Jobs character or something right it's like there's no you know there's no the apprentice there's no Jobs Jr. coming up and like he's going to take over the reins of Apple like Steve Jobs was like sleeping on futons in college and would collect cans to sell for change and would walk to the soup kitchen like dude learned how to hustle from the get-go and i mean a little not to go on a side tangent but little thing he used to go sit on on steve jobs used to go sit in on calligraphy classes after he dropped out of his actual courses he went and sit, sat on, on these he didn't know he said this at a commencement speech he didn't know what he wanted to do with it or if he even wanted to learn it But he was like it just tugged at like my heart and like He's like, it tugged at my interest so much that even though I wanted to learn how to like build computers, he was like, I, I had to go sit on these classes. And he later said that that was the actual inspiration for all of the original Apple fonts, which I'm too young to know. But he said it's the first sort of deviation from just normal print on computers. So all the fonts that you could find on the early Apple, the Macintosh computers were directly from his... Uh, From his interest in those classes, but the point is that is like it seemed The point of me saying that is like it seems like you kind of have to go on those those side journeys because otherwise, like you said, yeah, you said you grew your business six was it sixfold or eightfold?
1: I was sixfold over eight years. Yeah,
0: sixfold over eight years. I knew I had the numbers, but it's but you also talked about and you and I spoke about this that a lot of um a lot of businesses fail with with multi generation and to me again in my limited mindset. I just have the view of like the right like the spoiled son just comes in okay i'm running this thing now like hasn't earned it versus the guy that clawed his way to the top it's do you think that that almost has to be a, re, a prerequisite and i know i just kind of asked that question but it's one thing that from an outsider with someone with no financial experience it kind of seems like that's what you have to do is because otherwise you just it's you're kind of giving the keys to someone that's never driven
1: there's this longevity issue or helping multi-generational business last is a pretty complex issue. You know, there's the normal business issues. Do you have the right strategies? Do you have the right management team? Do you have the right financial, you know, where, wherewithal and capital-based, right markets and so on and so forth to run the business. And, and, and so that's what every business has, right? So there's nothing necessarily unique for a family business. But where we get into trouble in our in our area, the family business world, is the family dynamics piece. And you have, as you move down through generations, all of a sudden it's supposed to, you know, the dad being the owner and then the brothers that are being owners and then there are cousins that are being owners and cousins who were raised in different households uh-huh. with different values. and some of the cousins might be involved in the business and some might be living, you know, far away. And so all of a sudden it's like, what are the goals of the next generation? And and you know, what are the reward systems and, and, and desires for the business versus cash to the family and and you know governance and all kinds of family dynamic issues that need to be addressed. Otherwise those issues start eating away at the fabric of the business. We start having family problems which can quickly become business problems. Yeah. I mean, you know, I've seen actually really you know bad decisions, you know, outright dumb decisions made because you know well i'm not supporting this guy yeah because he's a, he's a not a nice guy or whatever
0: yeah, yeah. screw that it's, guy
1: yeah and so you end up um, where family dynamics problematic family dynamics can really cause a problem or it could be something just as simple as some of the family members who are not involved don't want to own really with ownership in the business they want cash and they want to get out of their lives so yeah. how do you deal with those issues so there's there's all kinds of issues associated with ownership alignment and being certain that the owners are on the same page. And as that moves down through generations, that gets more difficult because some are less connected to the business. Some live far away. They look at the business as a piggy bank and, you know, the management team that's there is kind of in between them and the cash. And so the management team may want to have capital stay in the company to grow. And the others say, saying, well, where's our dividend? And so you, you get, you know, these kinds of situations. So that's, Part of the challenge yeah and that's why succession planning is so important yeah when you transfer from one generation to the next
0: yeah I, that that's what i kind of yeah family like family problems becoming business problems because now all of a sudden instead of making the the calc the calculated tactical maneuver that you need to instead it's like that asshole got really drunk at new year's last year he drank too many martinis and called my wife fat like i'm not calling him i'm not going to help out his department right it's i mean the imagery in my mind is like just to make a broad generalization is uh is like like saudi like trillionaire families where it seems like after three generations there's like a hundred thousand like you know te- technically princes driving around and like chromed out lamborghinis and stuff and it's like that guy doesn't seem like he has the business in mind kind of seems like he would just was born into like hey man i got a bank account with nine digits like let's go have a party it seems like that that happens right
1: well, that's a little, that's, that's a little more vivid than that. <laughs> sure.
0: So, sure. But
1: I, what yeah. I see, but I'll, I'll give you one. That, that's, sure. a, that's I think a good example. I was working with a family business was heavily involved in real estate yeah. and one, one family member 95% of his net worth was his 5% ownership in the business. So, and the family business, real estate, the guys that were in control running the bit company as, as executives and the board seats wanted to keep all the capital in the business to keep growing. Mm-hmm. And in fact they had an aversion to debt, which is, you know, even more so in real estate, they typically have a capital structure that would have a debt layer. So they were really kind of hoarded the capital and didn't do distributions. And this guy needed distributions to live on. So there was a huge conflict. You know, if you're going to advise that individual, you'd say, This makes no sense for your personal financial plan to have all this money tied up in a liquid business that you need to live on when they're not giving distributions you don't have any control you're not on the board you own a very small percentage of it so that's just a structural problem that should have been addressed you know could have been addressed in a multiple variety of ways it could have been addressed when his parents were passing down ownership interest to the next generation or it could have been addressed with some type of an agreement in their shareholder agreement where you, someone can sell their stock at a fair price so they can diversify their portfolio, and so on and so forth. So, you know, there's there's a lot of reasons why we get into trouble with family. It could be not being nice or not sharing information or, you know, some of those kinds of things, but it could be just structurally. It just doesn't make sense. And the one thing that I've learned actually recently, you know, as you keep learning in this, in this industry, is that, you know, I used to think you want to make all the family businesses last, which I do, mm-hmm. with everybody in it. But yet that doesn't make sense. Some of the people, it doesn't make sense for them to be in. Yeah. And some people may need less risk and more assured income, cash flow. Yeah. So sorting through that and figuring out who belongs in the business and how you do equally deal with inheritance and value, you know, value of, the, of the company and the parents' estate is a separate issue and you can realign things so that you meet everybody's needs and the people that want to be in the business that kind of belong to be in the business can own the business stock and the others that don't might, you know, other assets, maybe they own the plant and property that Mm -hmm. the operating company rents so they get an insurance. you know, they can get a a rent check every month distribution Mm -hmm. Um, and the operating company guys can take the risk. Guys and gals can take the risk of running that business. There's a lot of ways, and there's certainly you know in between types of uh, alternatives, and I think that's that's you know having success is getting everybody aligned properly. Not everybody has to be in the business.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's that's what I was, I was just trying to like again put in like an analogy for like myself to understand. Like I have I have three brothers, right? What if my dad handed down, let's say, the podcast business, right? Let's say this is a generational thing. My dad hands me the podcast like is the move necessarily how do we make it last between four brothers or is the move like hey i'm the one doing podcasting like how about i take control of it i'll buy you guys out or you guys can get dividends but like you don't actually have an influence like you don't have like a vote on the board is that is is that like a is that like two ways you can go about it you can just buy people out so you don't end up having five members 20 members 400 grandchildren and all of a sudden that turns into the whole saudi print scenario or is it you basically like you'll get like a you know you'll get a paycheck every quarter but you you're kind of no different than a shareholder is that is that what you were saying
1: you know, there, there there are multiple ways to, you know, to kind of a, a, address it. What we did in our family was we sat down, there were eight of us in, in my Gen 3. Mm-hmm. And before I, you know, left my partnership at Deloitte, which was, a, you know, which was a, an achievement and a, and a career yeah. for me yeah. and something I really love doing, yeah. um, I wanted to be certain that we were all on the same page. So we sat down and figured out, you know, what do we want to do with this business? And, and the, kind of the first question is, do we want to keep it? Yeah, of course our parents yeah. want us to keep it and and, and you know they've given it to us. They've worked hard and dedicated their lives, you know, so they could have something for their kids. But it really comes down to what does our generation want to do at the end yeah. of the day. Yeah. And so we kind of work through, yeah, we want to keep it. But the next question is, you know, who should own who should own it? We got eight people, you know, four of them are gonna be working in the business. The fifth one could be active in another way in the business, the other three have no business interest and no interest in being in a business. So in our situation, we talked through as eight of us with nobody else in the room. And we decided that five of us would own the business as equal partners. And we figured out a way to equalize 20% each. And the other three we would buy out at fair market value through an appraisal, you know, very above board, no discounts for minority shares or illiquidity. And so they got cash for their value that basically got their inheritance at that point in time, turned into cash so they could diversify and invest their funds in a way that they were comfortable with not being illiquid family business owners who, cause we wanted to keep all our cash in the business to grow it, Mm -hmm. but to avoid that conflict, we were able to do that. And also, you know, it had some other ramifications because you know, as CEO, I was a little concerned about, we're going to take some risk and try to go for it. And, you know, obviously it worked out pretty well, but it may not have worked out well. Yeah. I didn't want to be the guy that blows my cousins (laughs) have nothing to do with the business inheritance. Yeah. So there's a lot of dynamics and it's, it's really kind of sorting through what are the needs of the individuals and how do you, how do you scratch them? How do you meet those needs? Not only day one, but what, what people will learn is over time needs change. Right? So when we were all young and charging to build the business, there came a point in time when some of my older cousins said, you know, when are we going to start having some distributions? Yeah. So I can, you know, participate because we've had these board meetings, you know, outside board, fiduciary board, and I put these nice fancy charts up showing these growth rates and value of the company. But, you know, one of my cousins came up and said, you know, we're seeing all this net worth in- increase but you know, yeah. I'm not seeing any of it. Yeah. You know, and all all—it's almost like you're having this diamond in the family. It's a great analogy. Yeah, this is that diamond in the value in the family that we all own, and it's gone up in value and value. And then we're going to give it to our kids after we pay estate taxes, of course. Yeah, I have the diamond. Yeah, but, you know, what's the purpose of the diamond if there's no sure? Liquidity? Sure. And so you know, there's a lot of issues along this in you know, wealth management side of the family business that that um quite often is not addressed and and too often is assumed that the prior generation just divvies everything up you know everybody gets a third third of a stock where well, that's not a good fit and so part of what i try to do is work with families to think through and, and and communicate with the next generation in terms of what their interests and needs are so we don't have the situations that are really out of whack yeah. Another example, um, Tommy, is I was working with another family of three boys in the business. One boy did not like the business, had no desire of being in the business, didn't particularly do a very good job. Kind of considering he didn't like it. You sure. Know, he didn't want to. Be there. He, he, Just, you'd expect that, right? Yeah. So, but he's there solely for one reason because he got a big, good paycheck.
0: Get that cheddar.
1: You know, and if he wasn't there, he wouldn't get that. So he almost was financially trapped. Yeah. To be in the business, yeah. and that's not that's not what most parents would want. You know, that's it's not, a, to have yeah, not a healthy
0: relationship.
1: No. So there's a lot of there's a lot of human aspects that we need to talk about and think through with families to help them understand, you know, that aspect of yeah. multi generational family businesses.
0: Yeah. There's kind of some philosophy in that, which you said about the diamond. I don't know if you've ever read any Alan Watts. He's a philosopher that died in 1973. I don't know who decides who's a philosopher, but he's a philosopher and I love listening to his talks. He's a really great English grandfathery voice. But um, he, would, he would talk about things like that, but not necessarily as like, not with like family generational wealth, but he called it the great golden goody. And he would be like, He'd be like, there's no. If you cannot live today, there's absolutely no point in planning for the future. He was like, that's not to say like full on carpe diem, like burn it all out today, and then you wake up tomorrow and it's like, oh shit, I got bills to pay. He was like, he was like, by all means, it's a great thing, you know, plan for the future. You have your job, you have your kids, you got your whatever. But he was like, if you can't enjoy it today, well then eventually. Then, then being X, the moment on the horizon 10 years from now, when X arrives, you're just going to be at X and now you're going to be projecting Y, but there's no point to the actual thing. And then you finally get to the end, you finally get to the finish line and you're like, we did it. And then you die and it's just over. And he's like, we thought, we thought our life, I think the quote is, we thought our lives as analogy with a journey or a pilgrimage with some finish point to get to heaven, success, happiness, whatever it is. But the realization at old age is that it was a musical thing and we were supposed to dance and sing while the music was playing. So is there twisting that into the diamond analogy? Yeah, I mean, do you all have to decide? Are we going to pass this diamond on? You know, shave a little bit off, live comfortably, but pass the diamond on? Because, I mean, ultimately it's like, why are we going to work so hard to have this when it's like, what if we just split it up and go have a party now? Like, go live it up now. Like, is there... What is the tug of war of that? Because part of it's like the only reason we have it is because our parents gave it to us, which is like an altruistic, philanth, almost philanthropic thing. Do we pay that forward, or do we live it up? Is there is there some sort of like ethical, moral, familial kind of dilemma?
1: Well, it's 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 certainly a, a decision that the, yeah. the heirs can make. I can yeah. I can speak from um, a lot of my experiences, and that it's not the interest of. The prior generation to work hard, grow a family business for future generations, yeah. and then the next generation just say, oh, "Let's just live it up and Peace. Yeah. To go to go to pieces." Uh, um, <laughs> yeah. You know, it's it's uh, there's there's a responsibility with with inheriting or owning a family business, and it's it's to be a steward. Yeah, in my mind. Yeah, you know, personal, I mean stewardship, sure. and that's that's what I see more often. Um, is people are very interested in preserving, protecting, growing their family business, and doing a good job. Um, the um, you know the ones that you know just want to sell out and live, live you know live on the golf course the rest of their life, starting at the age of thirty. I don't see that, and I, I and I have some circles of some very high net worth clients and friends, and I'm very pleased to see how many of them are very very serious whether they have. Had a liquidity event in their family offices where all they have was a pile of money to invest. That they are very professional investors, work very hard at making good choices and good decisions. You know, think about the spending rate, consumption of the wealth versus the reinvestment and growth of wealth. And so that's 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 much more common than than you know the spoiled little you know yeah. next generation trust trust funder that. Um, yeah, you know because they're not there but i i'm not seeing that and i'm involved we're involved with young presence organization ypo and in that group well these are serious people that want to do do yeah. good do a yeah. good job you know they're interested in philanthropy they're interested yeah. in growing their business they're interested in being successful and this is a lot of fun i mean where can you yeah. go where you're you're kind of the boss yeah the owner, you get the rewards you get to make decisions i mean when i left consulting which and I'm doing it now. So I mean, I, I love consulting. <laughs> yeah. All aspects of it. Um, but, you know, it was, they get, the firm was wonderful. I was a young partner. They didn't want to see, see any young partner leave. And so they gave me a six month leave of absence to go down and fix my family business. So I, you know, joined the family business and six months later, they called me and said, okay, you ready to come back? So no, actually, no, I'm really, really engaged. They go, well, you want another six months? And they go, no, no thank yeah, you. Yeah. But I really like running the business. Yeah. Yeah. And so and so, you know, that's it's a it's a it's an honor and it's a privilege to have a business that you can get to run, either a CEO in my case or in a senior position, like other family members were. Um, and you go to work each day and you know you're, it's, it's your business. So yeah. yeah. It's not a chore, but there's a responsibility. And I think that's what I see and that's certainly what we want in my generation yeah. and the
0: next generation. Yeah, right? It's it's like getting your own house versus an apartment. And I don't know why I'm trying to use that example because I've never owned either. But, right, it's like having your own house. You can kind of go into it and tweak with it. And I know I said uh, five more minutes. We're at 25 minutes recording. I said i will let you go at 30. Yeah, for everybody listening, we're doing little 30-minute episodes. Oh, what I am going to do is forget the house analogy is um, – oh, No, I'll come back to it. As I was going to say, I could – um. It would be interesting is because i have on people that are well versed in things that i know nothing about uh, like uh, aerospace engineers um delta force um you know people the uh, sci-fi authors things that i don't understand at all what i do is sometimes i'll like field questions for them i'll find like forums online about that specific topic and i'll say hey i'm having this guy on my podcast again here's episode one where I talk to them about X, Y, Z. Does anybody have any interesting questions? And I can do another episode and sort of pass them along. And that's how people get engaged. It's like, oh, yeah, I love that author. Could you ask him this? Or, you know, a lot with like the Delta Force guys is a lot of like young guys, like, you know, 21 jacked up and they're like, I want to be a spec ops operator. So they have their questions. Would that be something you'd be interesting, interested in? Because one of my good friends is actually, he's kind of, like yeah, self-made uh, financial consultant. And um I know he has this, he has like a whole website with a bunch of people on it. I think he could provide some really cool questions. Is that something you'd be interested in?
1: Yeah, if it's, if it's family business focused, yeah. you know, because that's, that's my space. It's what yeah. I, I write in, I teach in, I yeah. consult in, and I basically lived uh, yeah. growing up on the same block as the uh, my aunts and uncles yeah. in the family business, I mean, in a small town, so yeah. it was, you know, was, was kind of... who who I am and what I like doing so sure I mean it's it's a it's a it's a it's a very good topic And like you said 85 percent don't make it after two generations so you know my goal and a lot of others that are in in the space are you know want to see that turn around and try to make them last um for a lot of reasons um which we can talk about at another time
0: have have you ever have you ever had any and obviously saying this is a joke for anyone listening have you ever had anyone in, like, the mafia contact you about family business? <laughs> no, I, I, would,
1: uh, I would not. Um, I'm pretty particular my clients, so that would not be that uh, Only on television shows is that entertaining. Yeah, really.
0: yeah, yeah. No, those are not. Yeah, no, I've had on undercover FBI agents. Those are not good people. Um, so I guess in the final minutes, just kind of some questions to toy with. Is we see something with, like, the hyper elite i mean truly the top like 400 families right your bezos your gates your jobs your whoever walton is there does the this the idea of preservation of family business and generational wealth does that necessarily scale up to them or does it become a whole new paradigm when you get wealth that can like influence nations is is there a whole like different ball game when it gets to that or does it still would your book still apply to
1: that? No, my book would actually still apply. And I, I have, you know, some some friends that are billionaires, um, not at not the Gates level, you yeah. know, but but you know, what well, well beyond the wealth that they would ever need for them and their families. Sure. And they're very interested in in perpetuating being a steward basically of yep. their family's wealth. And they're very interested in philanthropy. So I mean it's it's you know, the image of self indulgence and um,
0: I don't think that's I, accurate.
1: I'm not, I'm not seeing a lot of that, yeah. really. I mean, you know, it, some might have an airplane, but it's yeah. you know, it's, it's it's not. You know, you don't even know it most of the time. They yeah. don't talk about their jet. You know, yeah. It's it, it's, um, it's really how they can make the world a better place, and so yeah. the, the bad rap of you know capitalism. You know, these days, and, yeah. you know, yeah. wealth, they're doing. It's not as bad as you would think from the media, um, at least in my circles.
0: I yeah I'm I'm with you 100%. I think that's all. Uh, you know my my friend Ivan Ivan Georgia is six four. He looks like Arnold Schwarzenegger. He was Mr. Bulgaria. He's a weightlifter. He moved to Las Vegas. He's a gold medalist weightlifter. Got all these whey protein sponsors. Just living the life. I met him in 2011 working at a bar here in Ocean City when he was getting it still getting his green card, and we stayed friends. And over the years, just kind of seeing him grow, literally and 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 physically as he became a gold medalist i remember i was thinking i was like oh man that guy's fit but i was like he just you know this is just this guy just has steroids he just whatever and then he came when he moved to the us he actually came and lived with me specifically for like a month when i was still in college in athens georgia and i got to live with him and it's the point of me saying this is it kind of makes me think of the image of, oh, the billionaire, they're just, you know, jet setters, they're just a bunch of spoiled kids, and then what you're saying is, like, no, these are a bunch of hard-working people, but I lived with Ivan, I was like, he got up earlier than me, He'd get up, we're going to the gym, I was like, I don't want to go, He's like, I don't want to go either, but we're going, we go to the gym, I do a half hour, I'd be like, all right, man, I'm burned out, I'd be like, we're just getting started, and he pushed me, like, two hours a day, I mean, to the point where I would be nauseous every day for like 30 days, then he moved out. But I, my mindset has completely changed because I was like, there's someone where all I ever saw was like the curated photo on Instagram. Like, oh, bodybuilder versus when I lived with him. I was like, this guy never stops. He just grinds 24 seven. I feel like that's kind of what you're conveying, right? Is like, ah, oh, trust fund kids. They have a penthouse in Manhattan. They don't know what work ethic is versus you're saying like, no young presidents, organizations or these people. You're like, these guys aren't flaunting it. If you're flaunting it, you probably actually don't have that much. The people that flaunt it aren't the ones with the mountains of cash, right? They kind of I, don't, like you know, I don't want to.
1: I, you know, I, I don't want to say that there's not people like. that. Oh well, that. there there are. Yeah, sure, there but, are. You no, know, but I'm just the people in my world um, that are very ultra high net worth individuals and families, um, I don't see that. Yeah. And I and I, and I was and I was pleased. Um, you know, as through my experiences to see how serious they were and how yeah. responsible they were. Yeah. Um, and that's not to say they don't have two or three homes or something like that, but you know, it, it's 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 not the central focus. The focus is is how they can make a difference. Yeah. Do it be a good steward and then also help others. And I think that's 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 important I mean, it keeps you grounded. I mean it's pretty easy to potentially get ungrounded yeah. when you have some of these yeah. benefits.
0: Yeah, just kind of float, yeah, float away, become a little. They're more, most
1: concerned about raising the next generation, so they're not spoiled. So they're
0: not the same. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: We spend a lot of time talking about, you know, when you tell the next generation about your wealth and they you know, what they're going to inherit, and, and you know, how do we not mess them up?
0: Yeah, do like an, ent- yeah, you can't have a, fe- can't have a felony. You got to have a 3.9 GPA. Like, you know, give them a little kick yeah. in the tail. You know,
1: sometimes some, you know, it's a concern that. Yeah, that, absolutely. You know, generation up, we are motivated and, and, you know, driven to, you know, to have a, somewhat of a responsible, purposeful life. Yeah. You could be a football coach in high school. It doesn't have to be sure. running the family business. But sure. It's not sitting around, um, you know, drinking and, yeah. Hard or every
0: day. Yeah, right? Because otherwise you get what you're seeing now, a bunch of self proclaimed Maoists and Marxists burning down cities and they don't appreciate <laughs> they don't appreciate America, right? That's that's how I look <laughs> at it. But so we don't dive off into politics. I guess we'll, we'll cut that we'll cut this one off at oh, no, thirty two minutes. I kept you for two minutes longer. But I will send you an email. Let's definitely set up another one. We can do um, sometime in January or something. I can get some Q and A's from some people interested in family business and you're the master. So we can get questions answered from the best. How's that sound? Mr. Isaac.
1: I lost the connection.
0: Oh, Oh, okay. I don't know if he can. Am I back? I don't think he can see or hear me. All right. Well, Mr. I, Mr. George Isaac, his book is available on Amazon. I will link it in the description of the top comment. I don't think he can. Yeah, we just lost him. Mr. George Isaac, I don't know what happened, but um, thanks for listening, everybody. Tune in and um, yeah, uh, post your questions and we can definitely do another episode in January. And uh, he's not here, so I will send him the link to everybody else. There, is he back? Nope. All right. Well, I think it's over, so I'm going to send him an email. is he back mr george isaac excuse me i ran and i put a sweatshirt on this room's freezing um i keep the room cold so the computer works better I uh, just put on a hoodie so excuse my uh graffiti looking hoodie but yeah zoom's been doing that all week it's been cutting off it did it yesterday yesterday the audio was butchered the day before it was cutting off so i don't think it's your connection i think it's zoom so but yeah for for a formal <laughs> sign off, Mr. George Isaac. Yeah, I didn't know what happened because I was like, let's do another episode, and you were kind of just staring at me. I was like, is everything okay? <laughs> I
1: was trying to figure out what was wrong, and uh, i was of words. So I...
0: Oh, I could hear you. I could hear you. I could see and hear you. Oh, you could. Yeah, but you were saying that I you couldn't. So I was. So I, yeah. So I did a sign off. I was like, all right. Well, Mr. George Isaac told me where to buy your book, and you were you're just kind of looking around. I was like, I don't think you can hear me. So. But yeah, we can use this as our official sign off. But um, yeah, let's definitely yeah. I said that your book will be in the link in description, available on Amazon. But let's definitely do another episode in January. I'll send you an email or send you a text or something, and we can work something out. And um, I'm gonna send this episode to my friend that uh, my financial friend, and uh, see if we can't field some cool questions. Yeah, no,
1: there's another there's another topic to talk about. Sure. Um, kind of my ten critical initiatives for family business success that we could we could build. That could that. be an episode. Yeah, that would be a nice episode. Let's do that. That would be awesome. Yeah, I can, in fact, um, I'll email you the, the the ten initiatives. Yeah,
0: let's. We can. We 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 don't have to wait till January if we want. We can do it. We can do it whenever you want.
1: Okay, so um, I want I want to see this one. See how yeah, it goes. Okay. 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 Do we need to do it? Do you want me to do the rap
0: with you now or no? Oh no, it doesn't matter, man. It's it's like I said, this podcast sign off however we want. We can we can we can do Mr. George Isaac, author of Your Business, Your Family, Your Legacy, available on Amazon. The link will be in the description and in the top comment. This is our wrap up take two, because Zoom Zoom is clearly not a well managed family business because they keep dropping my calls and I don't like that and I have no respect for them now. So somebody replace Zoom. Capitalism do your thing. And uh Mr. George Isaac, thank you for coming on, sir.
1: It's great to be here. Enjoyed the show and look forward to uh,
0: seeing it. Absolutely, my man. Thank you so much. Thank you for entertaining my uh, my uninformed questions and my analogies using Saudi princes and Lamborghinis. But like I said, I think that more people will probably be able to relate to it because, I mean, as with all things, you know, you can only be well-versed in so many things. So, my sort of, I mean, let's we'll call it what it is. My stupid, simpleton questions are probably what more people can relate to, and you, being the patient man you are, can walk me through those. So I appreciate it, man. Okay, well
1: we know we, have, we know you have a vivid imagination.
0: <laughs> hey, that is no, that is not a problem. That is, I have a sweatshirt of my, I made this. It's all UFOs and stuff. I got a weird imagination, man. But um, yeah, it's uh. I don't know, it makes it fun, you know? If it's thirty minutes of uh very serious and it's everything is scripted and we have these questions, well, I mean that's why people fall fall asleep in class, is because they can't pay attention. But if it's you know, if it's just you and I kinda doing it live and making it up as we go, that's real life and that's what people can listen to. I try to make it sound more like a conversation you have at a bar or something. Granted we're sober, but you get what I'm saying. Yep. <laughs> Mr. George Isaac, thank you so much for doing it, sir. Check out the book, leave a review. Rate it five stars. If you don't do it, then you're a bad person because it's an awesome book. <laughs> All right, my man. Stay safe. God bless. And um, thanks for being here, man. I'll send you an email when it's up, okay? Okay. All right, thanks. Mr. George Isaac, All right.
1: Bye-bye.